Good. Alrighty, guys. Welcome back. Just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> I'm just going to let it go. Like, just, just do your shit. Alright, guys. Welcome back to Stay Tuned Podcast. Uh, today we sat down with Ryan Bassam. Um, really cool guy, uh, outdoor media guy, photography, real estate, videos. He kind of does everything. Um, we had a great conversation, kind of just about uh, business and marketing and also what he does. So it was really cool. Um, hope you guys enjoy. It's the Stay Tuned Podcast. Iowa City, Iowa. I don't know if we've introduced ourselves yet, but that's Sam. I'm Sam. He's the one that reached out to yep. you. And then I'm awesome. Connor. And we've just been, we're obviously the co-hosts of this whole thing. So. Yeah. No, it's nice to meet you guys. This will, we'll, we'll have fun with it. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Appreciate you coming on. Cool. Yeah. Um, I just, guess, yeah, you well, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess we can just start. Um, you know, like we, we, we followed your Instagram for a while and kind of watched what you do. And it's always like really interesting stuff, but I've never been able to tell, um, <laughs> like, what would you label yourself as, I guess? Like, um, man, that is, uh, that is a fantastic question. Um, <laughs> it's, exactly it's definitely evolved. Like yeah, I know it's, it's evolved, um, rather quickly. Let's call it over the last 10 years. Um, I've had a freaking blast of a career so far mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I, I, at this point in my career, I'd probably say I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, but I've, I've done a little bit of everything in the hunting industry, which has been a ton of fun. Um, I've got more of a diversified income at this point in my life, which is what I highly recommend everybody. I get hit up all the time. Like, how do I get a job in the hunting industry? And what was your path to get into it? And and I feel like that my response to that continues to, to evolve over time. But, um, you know, we can, we can go down that rabbit hole if you guys want to, but, uh, I I'm, I'm able to do a lot of fun things right, right now. And, um, my career path has been probably a little, little different than most, but mm-hmm. whatever you guys want to talk about, I'm game. Well, let's just start. Let's just start. If you don't mind. I mean, I'm yeah. stuck in the rabbit hole, but like, what did you start off doing and when did you know you wanted to get into the hunting industry? Yeah. Uh, good question. Um, so I went to school at Texas A&M university. Okay. Um, I graduated in, in 2011. So 10 years ago. Um, and while I was there, I think is really where for me, um, my career and, and different aspirations kind of started to uh, meld together and come to fruition in a way I wanted them to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that everyone's experience in college and what they do right after college is, is, is different and pretty darn important. For me, my college experience is pretty different. I had my first, um, my first kid when I was in college, my wife and I are high school sweethearts. And gotcha. um, so my college experience is a little bit different. So I had a fire lit under my ass to hurry up and make money, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so my mindset was probably a little bit different than most, but, um, you know, my last couple of years in college, I was, uh, had an unpaid internship, um, in the running shoe industry. Actually, I used to not be so fat and used to be a pretty athletic guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm halfway there. Don't worry about it. Hey, I mean, Girls like the dad bod. My wife's yeah, a little different. That's what I hear. Um, that's what I hear. Roll with it. Just roll with it. Um, right. And then uh, I was working a couple part-time jobs, trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do. And, and in that same time frame, um, I, I started reaching out to to different outfitters. I was guiding a little bit part-time, but I really love to travel. Um, I lived in South America a couple of years before I started my uh, my college uh, career, if you will. And okay. so you, um, you took some, some gap years then after high school before college. Yeah. So right after, right after high school, I served, I served a mission for my church. And so I lived oh, in Ecuador okay. down in South America for two years. Gotcha. Great experience. Um, we became fluent in Spanish and, and what came out of that experience was a sincere, like burning fire desire to, to travel the world. And, um, I realized after living there for two years, it's more obtainable than most people think. Yeah. And so, and I, and I wanted to hunt everything, anything. I'm, I'm more known for being a waterfowl guy. And that's my, my first passion and love, but man, if it's, if it's a critter on this planet, I'm, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I started talking with a couple of different booking agencies, helping them on the side, booking hunts. I'm fluent in Spanish. So I was able to host some hunts down in South America and Mexico, um, and start exploring the world a little bit. And that kind of, I got on some pro staff, you know, organizations with different brands and, and that's kind of how I segued into uh, the hunting industry. 
uh, I went to school um, for for business, and so I had I had that in my purview, and that was my skill set um, with sales and marketing, and that developed over time with my first job uh, with a running shoe company that's based out of Colorado. And shortly after that, I was able to move full time in the hunting industry. From there, um, for about a year, I was the director of marketing over at Drake Waterfowl. And then for about four years, I was a director of sorts over marketing at Sika Gear. I managed the waterfowl and whitetail categories for about four years. Yeah. Um, tremendous experience. Great group of individuals over there. And um, did you, do, you know things are good? Did you still do guided hunts when you were when you were working for Sika? Um, you, you know, so my family's owned a booking agency and a travel agency. Uh, the travel agency has been in our family for forty three years. And my dad and I started a booking agency actually before I was even working at Drake. And, um, that was kind of a, um, an offshoot from, uh, the travel agency. And so I was doing that kind of part-time, um, the last eight, nine years or so. And, and that was afforded me the opportunity to, to get out, meet different guides and outfitters all over the world, hunt with clients. Um, and simultaneously I was taking vacation from my full-time job to go and do that. Yeah. And that's kind of what I did for, eight, nine years now. Um, and then about a year ago, I parted ways with Sitka, had some opportunities to explore some other options. And currently, um, I, I've always been told, you know, being an entrepreneur, being your own boss, diversified income is the way to go. And it's a big leap, like, especially when, when you've had the career path I have, there's a lot of security Oh, and I was going to say, I mean, you have so much security with, with like a salary, you know? Absolutely. You know, yeah. benefits 401k, um, super cush, like didn't have to worry about a whole lot. For sure. And so to, to jump off that cliff and, and walk away from that's not easy, but it's been amazing. Um, yeah. So I, I'm a board member for uh, three different companies, have equity in those brands, um, all within the outdoor space. Okay. And then I consult as a strategic marketing brand consultant for a few other brands in the hunting world. Um, I'm still selling hunts and guide a little bit here and there when I feel like it with, with specific clients from my booking agency, um, doing a little bit of real estate stuff. And so um, that's been awesome. And then recently I've started to, I, for the first time in my career, I've been able to um, take some more aggressive brand partnerships and, and sponsorships mm-hmm. and continue to grow my platform in that way. And so uh, it's, it's been a, a crazy year in yeah. putting all that together and well, it's been a crazy, crazy. A crazy run. Yeah. Yeah. It's if been you fun. don't mind, if you don't mind just circling back, just to the start yeah. of how beneficial do you think the gap years were for you before you went to college? Um, t- a ton. And, and, and it's a unique experience. Cause I mean, when I left to go on my mission, um, I was 19. All right. Yeah. And so I mean, you guys are closer to 19 than I am now, but from what I remember being 19, I thought I had everything figured out and to to live in a third world country Mm -hmm. in humble circumstances like that for two years, worry about other people's needs and not your own um, is pretty unique. And so it helped me to mature much more quickly, I believe, than I, mean, I would have otherwise. Going, way more than getting shoved into a dorm and like. Yeah, yeah so, no, absolutely. So how did you decide you were going to stay there for two years? Because that's a long time. Did you? Yeah, no. So uh, for a shorter amount than you stayed longer? Or? Right. So with our church, it's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, those those guys walking around in white shirts and ties. Okay. Right. Mormons. Yeah. That's yeah. what I did. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm a member of the church. Okay. And so, um, you know you don't have to go do that. It's a choice. Um, I didn't grow up a member of the church. I joined the church when I was in high school and had a, that experience had a profound impact on me. I wanted to go and take that same joy and happiness that I had received through that journey to other people. And so I chose for two years to go and do just that, help others and, and preach the gospel. And that's what I did. And that came through a lot of service building cane houses or just being there for a shoulder to cry on for some folks or, or teach them about, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ, whatever. And so um, when you go through that experience and you're working with, with individuals who come from circumstances that most people can't comprehend. I mean, I was teaching people sitting on a dirt floor with chickens running around and they've got a mattress with no sheets on the dirt floor in a cane house. And that's how they lived. Right. And so you you get a different perspective of life in that scenario. Um, And it, and it helps you look at the world around, around you a lot differently. And when you're, you're dealing with people that are, you know, um, my husband beats me or 
um, you know, these really, I mean, I talked to people that killed people, like it's a third world country. They play by a different set of rules. Oh, totally. They have this super heavy baggage. And from the time I was 19 to 21, I was trying to help these people find peace in their lives. And yeah. so it's, it was an incredibly impactful experience. And so by the time I got to college, um, when I was 21, I, I just had a different outlook on life and I, I have nothing against a good time and, and going out and partying, but oh, I was yeah. just, from that moment, like I had such a unique experience. I was, I was ready to go out and conquer the world mm -hmm. um, and, and accomplish what I wanted to accomplish with my life. Yeah. Thanks. Probably don't seem as hard back in America no. after two years in Ecuador. That's no. cool. And I, I only ask, cause like, you know, Sam and I talk about it all the time. Like, I would be a huge proponent. Like once, once, I mean, we mm -hmm. both came to college right away, but if I could go back sure. and take a year or two, I certainly right. would because you, I mean, I feel like, I feel like a lot of kids show up at college just cause it's like what you're told to do. And none of us sure. really have like a plan and being 21, like you had a plan, you wanted to conquer the world. And like, I feel like you really had a foot up when you got there, you know? Yeah, I, I think so. And, and, you know, I think everyone's got to just embrace whatever path they're, they're set on. I mean, you so, got to be opportunistic yeah. along the way, you know? Yeah. I, but I do think like, it's an interesting, I mean, if I had a kid right now, I would tell him like, just take a break. There's no race, man. There's really no race to get there. There's not. Ab absolutely. And I mean, I, I'll put it in perspective. Like I thought I was going to fail in high school. Like I barely graduated and guess mm -hmm. what? College was no different. Like mm -hmm. you don't have to leave college with a 4.0. You don't have to have this perfect plan in place, like do what you love. And, and I know, I think that gets thrown around a lot, but seriously, like if you pursue your passions in life and can make that a career, you're going to excel beyond your own expectations. You're just going to crush. And I have done that. Like, and I think everybody else I know that has inspired me that are successful in, in business and, and what they've done in their lives, they, they do the same thing. They, they say, I know I'm passionate about this this is my skill set. You got to be very self-aware and honest with yourself. This is my skill set. This is what I love to do. Then go do it because from the majority of your day is going to be spent trying to make money. You better enjoy it. Otherwise right. you're probably going to hate life. Yeah. So, and who, who did you find or who do you take some inspiration from? Is it guys in the industry or, or are you um, more diversified than that? Yeah, no, I think, I think it's pretty diversified. I mean, um, I think my parents were a good inspiration. I mean, I, I watched my parents in the travel industry. We, they, it's, it's work. Anything's work. Even what I do at the end of the day, it's, it's got its stressful moments. Certainly. Oh, oh yeah. Tons. I mean, there's always the back end stuff that people aren't seeing, um, especially yeah. with social media, the way it is well, now where there's and, stressful things, but and you guys, you don't get to walk away from something you own. No. You know? Like it's not like a nine to five, like, well, I'll get there tomorrow. Like there is no that, right? you, you know, I feel like, a, a reality that most people need to embrace now, especially um, if you're in college now is dude, there's no such thing as nine to five. Like yeah. I I'm working anywhere from 6am to midnight and there's breaks in between. Sure. And I don't have to do that, but I love what I do and that's why I'm successful. And, and we'll being an entrepreneur time. allows yeah. you to kind of gauge how much of that window between six and midnight you want to participate in um, yeah. just is what it is. But it goes back to what you said earlier, where like, if you, you know, if you're doing something that you really enjoy, it's not, right. it's not as much work, you know, it's, exactly. It is work, but you're working at something that you really enjoy doing. Which totally. Totally. And that, and you can find that even, it's not necessarily like the pursuit, like everybody loves to hunt or, or what fish, whatever. Sure. Um, that's fun. Absolutely. But my, my passion outside of just those pursuits is I love marketing. Uh, it's, it's a fun equation to figure out. and um, being able to see the success at growing a business from nothing to, you know, over a hundred million dollars. Like there's a lot of, a lot of fun times in that it's a challenge and, you know, you get to do some fun activities along the way if you're in the hunting industry, which yeah. is, um, I think why I've been able to excel at it. I, I wasn't book smart. I barely graduated college too. It's, I wasn't book smart. Um, I just, I had a, a good nose for, for marketing and how, how it works and I'm very self-aware and aware of, of how the industry works and, and, you know, from a society perspective, how people react to the different, you know, marketing uh, functions that are, that are around us constantly. Yeah. And so I just made a career out of that. So when you graduated, you said it was 2011. Yeah. So like, 
when you started really marketing hard, you know, things like Instagram and Twitter and that kind of stuff wasn't, wasn't around as much. So like how, <laughs> it wasn't. How, how have you been able to kind of like, cause obviously you have, but like you've been able to keep up with evolve, adapt the with changing, the changing, the changing. Yeah. Stuff. I mean, I think it's a little bit, it's, it's interesting. It's a great question. Um, I think the generation a little bit older than where I'm probably at probably struggles with it even more. I feel like I was right on that cusp. Right. Sure. So like, yeah, face Facebook, when it first launched, um, I was actually still living in Ecuador. And so I came back my wife was like, Oh, you got to check this out. It's pretty cool. And I was like, yeah, it seems kind of weird. I don't know. And, and reluctantly I got on and, and I was like, Oh, this is a cool way to connect with, with people in Ecuador because they don't have, there's no physical addresses for most of these people. They don't own a computer. They go to like a, an internet cafe and, and they would log on and it was a way I could connect with them. Hmm. And then as I kept going through my college career, I was like, Hmm, like looking at it from a business perspective, this could be huge. Like this is, this is growing like crazy. And right as I was graduating, Instagram started to come about. And so I started playing around with that with really the only intent was to, I was getting into photography at the time. My wife is a photographer, um, started out as just a hobby. And I was like, Oh, this is a cool place just to kind of keep my photos. And, um, see what other like-minded individuals put out there too. Cool. At the time, there was no business concept whatsoever to Instagram. There was no algorithm. Um, it was easy to get followers back then. It was a totally different deal. And like TikTok is now, it was mainly kids between the ages like 12 and 20. And so it was just a totally different deal. It's, it's been interesting to see all that evolve. Um, I think my mindset is specific to social platforms and, and how that ties into marketing is you can never discount the, the next piece of technology that's comes because something else is coming after right. TikTok. Yeah. And the way people consume their entertainment will always evolve. And so it's much more, the world of marketing is much more difficult now than it was 20 years ago. Back in the day, it'd be like, hey, here's some cool print ads. Uh, we'll sponsor these TV show hosts. Um, we're done for the year. And now it's, there is so many different, you know, omni-channel marketing type of, of paths you can take to get your message out there to a broader audience based on how different, you know, age groups are consuming their content. It's, it's a lot more difficult equation to navigate. And so you kind of just have to stay plugged in all the time. Yeah. And even more specifically to the hunting and the outdoor industry, historically, we kind of were a laggard. We, we, we really are behind everything. Yeah. But if you watch other industries like the tech industry, they're the most innovative. And so if you can keep an eye on that while you're in the hunting industry and say, oh, like they're doing this, like two or three years later, sometimes five years later, the hunting industry will actually adopt that. But if you're the first to do it, you're considered innovative, even though yeah. you're just recycling an idea. But man, that's the name of the game. Like. Yeah, that no, and some original sure. ideas along the way, and you're freaking golden. This yeah. whole thing, everything's a copycat. You know, someone comes up it with this, it's just get right on them as quick as you can. You know. That. So, what do you think of TikTok? I think it's awesome. I think um, it's very. You viral. know, it has that it's, old it's school like anyone viral. can grow up feel. Yeah, I love it because I think it's a it's a creative outlet for people, and I think mm -hmm. that's why people are so addicted to it. It's, I think, our world around us and society is evolving to this place where it's like celebrities still have clout don't get me wrong like movie act stars actors all that kind of stuff it's yeah but this is like you can be a nobody have your own creative ability and have a lot of fun with it and yeah. quite quite honestly like you can generate some pretty good revenue yeah it's, um, it's like the ultimate equalizer you know it is it's like what i feel like it's very similar to the creative space like what streaming music did to the music yep. industry like absolutely it's like you used to have to be if you don't have mtv or if you're not like on yeah. the radio and now it's like anyone can fill an auditorium or an amphitheater because of streaming yeah exactly think, i think that's interesting you made that point about our movie stars and stuff like dude there's tiktokers that more people would recognize than totally big name a-list actors yeah. so like, well and I mean, if some of these, some of these uh, creators, influencers, whatever you want to call them, I mean, they're generating some very real income. I oh, mean, no. they figured right, out how to grow right. real, real income. Well, they're getting like yes. TV shows and all kinds. It's of crazy. It's, yeah. It's nuts. And, it, and I mean, it can, anybody can do that. That's yeah. the beauty. Yeah. It's, it's the so ultimate whoever's there, whoever's right there first. Yeah. It's not totally. like, it's not like the people who are at the top are better. I think they were just there first. It is so, definitely yeah. a race it's too. 
I think, I think there's, I think it's a lot of that. I mean, I'll be the first one to tell you, I feel like there's a lot more people out there. They're way more interesting than I am, but I, I figured out how to, to market and take advantage of social platforms probably before other people and had some luck along the way, did some cool things. And, um, everyone does, though. everyone's got a luck and just not everyone's ready gotta to have it. theirs. You know what I mean? Totally. If you're I, working hard and get that luck on your side at the, at the same time yeah giddy up man a, yeah. a lot of people get their lucky moment and they're not ready for it and then it's gone yep you know i mean yeah. it's the guys that are doing the work all the time and then when they finally get that and they're just they it's to the moon you know that's, that's it yeah for sure yeah i mean it's i don't know that's fascinating like tiktok and all that you know i mean because i'm a big like i i've been on tiktok i get off because i get addicted yeah. whatever but it's like it's really hard to just like not have it because you know, like <clears throat> we're going to see stuff that you like. And sure. the thing about TikTok is like with attention spans being so short now, like, you mm -hmm. know, they're, they're 10 second clips. So you just keep scrolling through. Like, exactly. Instagram's got the IGTV, but I feel like even, I feel like now people are even too lazy to sit there and watch. Sure. But their attention span is not two minutes long. It's totally, it's, it's not, I mean, the, the ideal formats are getting shorter and shorter. So yeah. when I was producing films at Sitka, um, I mean, there was a time there Yeti and Sitka both is like, Oh, seven, 10 minute films. Cool. Yeah. And, and the drop rate on, on the viewership within each of those films got shorter and shorter. Like we were dropping people like 30 seconds, a minute, 30 in, Crazy. they weren't even watching the full length film yeah. anymore. So the film started to get short and short and short and shorter. And then as technology platforms, created new functionality within the platform itself like what tiktok does instagram recently did instagram reels which is an answer to tiktok yeah. and now youtube youtube i don't know if many people know about this youtube is coming out with youtube shorts which has been in beta testing over oh, I had no in idea. israel or somewhere and so that's dropping here in the u.s next month and so it's all vertical screen it's it's not it doesn't have to be professionally edited you can literally pull out your phone do youtube shorts and it's 15 seconds long, same capabilities and functionality as TikTok. Huh. Wow. So that right there says a lot. Like TikTok disrupted the space yeah, so drastically that juggernauts like YouTube and Instagram had to pivot and like create that functionality within their platforms too. Mm -hmm. And what that tells me, and, and I think it's pretty obvious, you don't have to be a rocket science, just observing human nature. Like we are, our attention spans are getting shorter, shorter mm -hmm. and shorter and shorter. Like for long format, type of content to really be impactful anymore man there better be a dang good story to yeah. it um it's, it's just got to have a variety of things it can't just be some dude on a hunt or or whatever i keep going to hunting because that's my thing but um no, we're the same you got to so you got to inspire and you've got to educate and if you're yeah. not doing those things and have the pretty cinematic uh, cinema, cinematography yeah. side of of that longer format content game over and it's not we gonna talk, work we're talking we've been talking about too like the people who are really successful, I feel like, are the people who like like have the personalities and really kind of like there's a face to the to the sure. Because you got yeah. guys like you know we follow the hunt pages on Instagram and stuff, and you got guys putting out really cool you know duck hunting videos or deer hunting. Right. Videos. But if I don't know who is hunting and I don't know their story and I can't connect with them, then like I tend exactly. to not watch that. I wouldn't. I would watch a small clip of that, but I'm not going to sit there and watch 10 minutes of somebody I don't know. Totally. No, I, I absolutely. And I think, I mean, you, I don't know if you know how profound that point is that you just made, like authenticity is everything right now. And so like, even myself, I'm pretty guarded. Um, it's, and, hard, and it's, it's hard. hard. It's hard. It's hard. Like on social media or like on, in front of a camera to like be yourself. I feel like, you know, totally. I you, mean, we had no idea. We started just trying to film hunts and it was like, I was like, dude, don't look at me while I talk. Like, <laughs> and we live together. It's yeah. like, what yeah. is the problem? You know, dude, I, I, I totally get it. Like, and it, and it's even beyond that. Cause the problem with, um, social media marketing right now mainly is you're just getting the best moments of people's lives like I agree. so it's hard to really get that real authentic totally side of it and and, totally. it, and it's hard it's it, it is it's extremely difficult like i can put out a bunch of pretty photos um I'm, I'm reluctant to talk about my kids a ton on social media because 
back when the whole Cecil the Lion thing happened, man, I got bombarded with anti-hunters and death threats against my kids. And I was just like, whoa, really? this is nuts. Like they're four and two at the time. Like I'm out. Like, so I took all the photos of my family off. I got super guarded. Um, the hunting industry can be incredibly judgmental. Um, there's a lot it's of jealousy hilarious. out there. It, it sucks, but it is what it is. And yeah. so Where it's hard to be real sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is, but I, I think those who find a, a great way to, to put themselves out there in an authentic way yeah. um, and be real with people is huge. Like yeah. looking at, for example, and sorry, I, I'm, I'm rolling here, but like, no, dude, go for it. For example, like, I feel like a lot of people could look at, at just what I post on Instagram, for example. And it's like, man, this guy's living the dream. That's awesome. Well, guess what? I've been suffering with de depression and anxiety for five years. As, as great as my life is and as fun as the things I get to go and do like behind the curtains, like, man, there's days I struggle. It yeah, sucks. Yeah. And, and, and it's hard to put that out there for people. I really haven't. It's, it's hard for me to talk about my religious beliefs because we live in such a judgmental society. Now it's like, man, like, yeah, am I going to offend somebody? Like I shouldn't I care, well, but I know it's, it shouldn't, but it does. Well, and the internet it does. is like an echo chamber, you know, like it's like, it's the worst voices get the loudest, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately the it's loud minority. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. That's interesting. You talk about authenticity though. Um, like we're huge, like barstool fans just cause like, yeah. it's like, I mean, if you, I, it just cracks me up. Like you've got like these juggernauts, like ESPN and Fox and stuff, and sure. they're laying people off left and right. Like they can't figure it out. And then you got like Dave Portnoy who just films his entire day and is just himself. And he's just like, yeah. he's a hero. And like, it's like, it's these, awesome. These huge companies can't figure that one little thing out. Like, dude, people want to see the real life stuff, you know? That's it, man. 100%. Um, it's, it's that easy, but you know what I mean? I totally agree. Yeah. I think, uh, it's all good takeaways like to internalize now, especially, I, I don't know what y'all's demographic is for people that watch this. I'm probably the old guy, which is weird, but, um, like internalize these things. Like we're talking about some pretty crucial stuff, like even while you're in college and then your first couple of years out of college in your career, like these are really important things to remember. Yeah. Um, just be real. Yeah. Would, would you say those were pretty formative years for you too? Like right out of college, like was there a lot yeah. of pressure to like, Hey, you should get a real, like, I don't want to say a real job, but like, yo, sure. salary job or whatever. And Ab absolutely. I was working around that. It was, it was very real because when I graduated, my daughter was one. Okay. Um, and so there's this, this pressure to provide for your family. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, and I, I put a lot of pressure on myself, which I think is where a lot of my depression and anxiety comes from. I, I want to operate at a high level and, and I'm, tend to unfortunately be a perfectionist. Yeah. And so that, that can be good and bad. And, and this is part of being self-aware in your career and throughout your life. Like, um, for me, man, I, I hit the ground running and, and there was a lot of good that came out of that, but I created some bad, um, unhealthy mental habits with, with that as well. Sure. And so any little failure, like just started to slowly chip more and more away at me. But um, you know, yeah, those first few years was tough because we went from living literally week to week, trying to figure out how to just put food on the table to, okay, you know, what are the learnings we can use to take away in these first couple of years? And we didn't know it at the time, but it's like, all right, um, what, what are we going to do? What are these opportunities? What's the right path to take? Because when you get out of college, honestly, for me at least, and hopefully it's better, but I doubt it. Um, maybe one class in my entire four years has done me any good in my career. And that was maybe for the first couple of years. <laughs> yeah. No, we're with you, man. He graduated like, in December. And I mean, it, that class must be next, next yeah, semester. Better, better be next semester or I'm going to be out here. I mean, it's once you get out in the real world, like that's, that's where you really start to learn stuff. In my opinion, um, you want to be opportunistic. And you know what, what I mean by that is, is stay the course, have goals. But don't be so focused on those goals that you're you're passing up opportunities to do other things and um, things that would be more meaningful to you that you probably find more success. And a lot of people get stuck in, no, I've got to make this money and I'm going to make this good money by by doing this job and I'll sit at this desk and I'm just going to grind it out. And man, like if an opportunity comes along that could take you elsewhere, like when I was in college, I was like, man, I'll never go 
hunting anywhere probably outside the state of Texas. And, um, but I really, I wish I could, and I'll, I'll just get a good job as a sales rep in an ag company somewhere. And, and that'll oh, be good sick. money probably. Yeah. And I kind of interested in the agricultural stuff. Like, sure. And it's like, man, I, I threw all that to the wind. Like I had, I, my passion when I was in college I was on the triathlon team at Texas A&M. And I was like, man, I really love these running shoes. And I just started calling companies and I finally got a hold of this running shoe. And that's how I got my internship. And, and I started calling and bugging booking agents. Hey, I want to, I want to know what you're doing. I want to learn what you do. I'll, I'll work for you for free just to learn the ropes and help you out. Mm-hmm. And I was an annoying turd about it until the right fits came along. Right. And then man, from there, it's just been a matter of doing that my whole life, honestly. Yeah. And I learned how to not be such an annoying kid, but how to navigate it appropriately. Sure. And amazing things have happened. It's been crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like, I mean, really, really, really good advice because like, there's so much, I feel like there's so much pressure societally and everything else. Like, Hey, you get out of college, like go get that first paycheck, find that first job. And it's sure. like, I mean, you're fresh out of college, like, dude, like 60 grand is so much money, it's a ton. you know, like yeah. people get caught in the number. I feel like, you know, totally. They can, they can hear 60, 70 K and just be like, bro, I mean that I'm totally going to do this. And then 20 years later, it's like, they're banging their head against the wall. Like, totally. You automatically like you're you. If you take that job, you can't. There's there's just a level. There's a ceiling that you can't go. We talk about that all the time. People put a ceiling on themselves at 23 years old. It's like, dude, you never even really gave yourself a shot. Like, I mean, like a promotion is you know, three extra vacation days. Like, (laughs) is it really worth it? You know. Exactly. No, and I mean that's a good mindset to have because I my whole I'd say the first. I don't know, seven, eight years of my career, I was like, oh, I got to climb the ladder. You know, I want to be, I want to be uh, an executive. You know, I want to hit that C level. Right. right. Um, and I thought that's, that was going to be just, that's what you're supposed to do. If I could go back 10 years and, and recoach myself, I would do it a little bit different. I, I would, I would do some things simultaneously, like go after that, go in and succeed immediately with the, with whatever company and crush it. Make sure it's something you're passionate about, but just crush, learn as much as you can, because that's where the real education is going to happen. But simultaneously start figuring out other avenues of revenue. Like, dude, go get your freaking real estate license now. Right. Just go do it. Go Start doing these other things that could potentially turn into value. I unknowingly did that with, with social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and it served me greatly in a lot of different ways with financial opportunities. Um, but identify a few different paths of income that may not relate and that's fine, but be doing those, have a side hustle. Like you've got to, yeah. and, and learn along the way with your job. That's putting food on the table and giving, giving you a place to live and, and, um, you know, allowing you to live life at a somewhat normal basis, but be growing those other opportunities around you. And as you do that, you'll pick up these other skill sets and things will start to morph and fall into place. And all of a sudden it's like, ah. Oh, cool, I can go do this now. And, and because I can go do this, it'll allow me to focus more time here or my skill set has been sharpened enough to where I can spend more time on this thing I've been working on and be more effective at it and, and potential provide more, more income for myself. Uh, I think that the people I've watched do that um, and I've got kind of dumb lucked into it myself unknowingly, um, your, your, your level of happiness um, shouldn't be measured by, by the income that you make, but it's by the the reward of what you do day in and day out and if you're hitting that the income comes it, it will get there it'll match it right and you yeah, know I'm, so I'm, I'm seeing that at 35 years old but people can see that at 25 years old yeah. why not yeah, yeah. yeah I, you you hear that from like almost everyone that's like through their 20s you know they're, they're just banging yeah. so like dude do not get in the rat race like it's not worth it and then like it's so easy to get out that first company is like, Hey, we'll pay you X amount of dollars. It's like, sure. Boom. That's it. You know, and everyone puts their right. head down, they blink it's 10 years later. And it's like, I don't know if I really like what I'm doing or what's going on. Totally. And unfortunately, like that's what colleges really push. Yeah. You know, I do. Yeah. Like I, I went to a career fair today, like <laughs> you know, being told, you know, Hey, go meet with these people at Aldi's, you know, giant company. Like I really yeah work for all these but like they're telling people hey you need to get internships at at these big corporations so that you can get in on the base level and work your way up they're not telling people like hey you should go start your own thing and here's yeah and that's what like we've and we've talked about that like 
I'm in business school, but there's no class that is an entrepreneur, can't even say it, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial. <laughs> that word sucks. It's not. Oh, it was not him Anyway, there's not like a class that just teaches yeah. you to do that. It's all like, here's how to make your, you know, CEO happy or your manager happy. Yeah. Like totally. I think, you know, like there's some good opportunities and learning experiences. Like, here's the other reality too. Like, I know that I had I not worked for these four brands over the course of my career and learned what I did from a sales and marketing perspective, I couldn't have gone out on my own to do what I'm doing now. Oh, sure, yeah. But but what I could have been doing is, is creating a lot more additional revenue potential to where I could have left the rat race um, earlier. And, um, and I think that's where you just got to kind of dive in and, and go for it. Like, you're only going to be in your twenties once. Like you got nothing to lose. Like it, take your risks now and freaking just go for it. Um, you can recover later. It's a lot harder. I've seen people later on in life where in their forties, fifties, sixties, and like something doesn't quite go right. And they try and make that jump later on in life. And it's hard to recover yeah. later in life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you're totally right. Like getting into the right company and learning and stuff like that. I just mm -hmm. feel like, so often like that isn't the message it's like find that first sure. comfortable secure yeah it's like all right. these words that like scare the shit out of me at 22 <laughs> dude I'm if not you're not scared. hey if you're not scared you're doing it wrong that's right. right yeah yeah all right you did you did digital marketing for for sitka right like you're making videos and stuff yeah that was part of what i did so i was more um on the I did a lot of things, especially when I first got there, wore a lot of hats. Um, towards the end of my time, there was more of a, I was helping to manage a lot of that. It was more of a strategy role, doing a lot of market analysis, overseeing those types of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, between Drake and Sitka, I was able to do content creation on my own, as well as produce TV shows and produce films and, and oversee those productions. And I, like, I would say those aren't necessarily as much like a, you know, you're trying to climb the ladder because you get to create new stuff, you know, exactly something different. So like, I think that's different than some big corporation job where it is you're trying to climb. Ladder. Like what you, what you were doing was making new stuff for people to enjoy. Innovative. Right. Go Being any, creative. Go any direction. Totally. You want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it was the creative outlet extended beyond just those marketing assets that most consumers would see. But like I was deep dive in with all the product development, like, two, three, four, five years out before most people ever saw it. Like I worked on those waiters for four years before we actually launched. Yeah. Those. Like, I, I got there and like literally like my first day I met with a product manager and he's like, okay, we're early stages, but it's, it's time for you to get involved. We're, we're making waiters. And I was like, Oh snap, here we go. And like of all the things I've done in my career, that's probably the cherry on top. It's been the most fun project I've ever worked on. Mm. Yeah. I think it totally disrupted the waterfowl world um, from sure. a product standpoint and to, to lead the charge on that was freaking amazing. And I wouldn't have had that opportunity had I not gone through my career the way I did, but having done that and being successful with it has set me up for so many even cooler opportunities. Um, that I'm having more fun with. So sure. opportunistic. It's a word I keep going back to. I yeah. love that word. I mean, that is, yeah. the, you know, like there's one word to get you through your twenties. I think that's the word I'm telling you opportunistic. opportunistic. Yeah. yeah. And be scared. Constantly scare yourself. Do something yeah. scary every day. I love that too. Let's uh let's circle back real quick, if you don't mind. Yeah. One thing. Um, you said something about Cecil the Lion. Were you like involved yeah. in that? I had no idea. No, no, I wasn't involved in that. So what an interesting thing happened on social media um with with Kendall Jones and then Cecil the Lion. Um, I remember the whole remember deal. That, yeah. Because yeah. because social media is still pretty new then, right? And so like yeah, for sure. You can I don't know. Like when I grew up, like you said something to piss somebody off, you're going to get socked in the mouth. Right. Um, and so the problem with social media is, is now you can pop off and say whatever you want and, and there's nobody there to sock you in the mouth, shut you up. Uh, and so people were very much figuring that out with social media and getting way more comfortable, your whole keyboard warrior mentality yeah. and people yeah. trolling, just wanting to start fights. And so that's been an interesting, I think we'll see interesting studies in the future about the sociological impacts of these sorts of things. But like around that time is where it started to really pick up momentum. Like people are saying and doing whatever they wanted on, on social media. Cause there's no real ramifications. No and so on there. and no. not at all, not at all. And I got a funny story. I'll tell you. Um, but 
So what happened in that time frame is all of a sudden, like, I remember I'd get on an airplane to go travel and hunt somewhere and people would be like, oh, you know, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm going on a hunt and never think twice about it. They'd be oh, cool. And it was amazing how short around that same time of Kendall Jones and, and Cecil the Lion that I'd get on an airplane to go to Africa or South America or Asia or wherever for a hunt. And I'd be like, what are you doing? They'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, photography trip. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because people for whatever reason it was that viral like mob mentality type of deal where you can do and say whatever you want on social media and people got super torqued on that um and it was it was very interesting i think that shift unfortunately on social media at that time is, is really damaged hunting and the more people post stupid crap it's just fuel to the fire oh, like, yeah. i don't know that they realize it but it's it's super detrimental it's not it's not good but my one funny story, uh, I had one lady that um, she, she screenshotted a photo of my daughter's totally unhunting related is what my daughter's on the beach family vacation type deal. She wrote all these awful things and drew pictures and then reposted it and tagged me in it. And so I was like, you know what? I'm done. Got on LinkedIn, tracked her down where she worked. Right. Sent that to her boss. She was fired the next day. Oh, that's oh, nice. Hey, that's, that, nice. that's using cancel culture to the, to, yeah, to right. you got to hit back. Play stupid right, games, right. win stupid prizes. Like right. it's just, if screw that. Enough, so enough to do that, you know, with somebody's family, like the kids, dude, it's, 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 it's unnecessary. I feel like, especially like the last five years or whatever, it's gotten so volatile, like crazy between the political climate and sure. And it's just so much. It's like everyone's just yelling at each other. There's no, right. no limits. Nothing is off limits. Nothing's like, off limits. Like if she's yeah. a problem with you, maybe she should take it up, you know, with you. Not totally. I mean, how many kids I mean kids not get doxxed kids. all the time? Like, yeah. I mean, it's right. I don't know. It's crazy. It's just insane. It really is. And then there's all of us that like have common sense and like use our brain. And we're like, what is everyone thinking? Like <laughs> You know, I'm telling you, the loud minority is real. Like, yeah, it's really, so, it really is. And it's just so, so loud and disruptive, no matter how wrong they may be. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't matter. You know, and you say it over and over and over again, it's going to start to sound like it's right. A lot of people are going to think it's right. If, if they just That's been a big problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's been, repeated. it's been repeated over and over. Well, and then like the virality of like, like Twitter, you know, all of a sudden, like, yeah. you just start retweeting and it gets liked. And like, all of a sudden, it's like, Dang, like half a million people believe that right there. Evidently. Yeah, like, it's, it's kind of scary. Like, it is scary. They're not even educated on what's going on, no, and they're like it's, they're it's passing an opinion and buying into something, and they don't know nothing about it. It's crazy. I know. Very easily manipulated. Yeah, mm-hmm. social media can be a dark place. It can be great. I mean, you've made a business. double-edged sword. It is but, a double-edged sword. It's it's you can do really cool stuff. Yeah, but also, definitely. I mean. I've seen like gospel related, like I've, I've helped people so much just like behind the scenes, never really wanted it to be out there for their sake, but like sure. had an opportunity to help a lot of people like yeah. bigger than just career crap, like life stuff, man, like finding more joy and happiness in life through social media, like through that social media connection that we had. Right. And those opportunities wouldn't have been there, you know, had the platform not existed and, you know, we had those opportunities to find each other and communicate. So you never know. Yeah. But there's a lot of bad too. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just you know, it's it's like any tool though. It's how it gets used. You know, I mean, that's it. That's it, it. It's really the people that are holding the power. But anyways, let's uh let's move here to maybe like what you got coming up because like we found your website or whatever. Yeah, like you had like podcast was on there. Whitetail properties, hunt. Give yeah, podcast in the making or something. Yeah, in the making. Yeah, so photography. So just kind of talk about maybe like what's on your horizon and, and stuff like that. Totally. So a lot of things have changed with with COVID, unfortunately. And so I'm not traveling with clients, taking them to different countries, hunting um, quite right. like I was. Still doing that. Some I was in Turkey last November, hunting um, bees or ibex with a client. Um, planning yeah. to go back to um planning to go back to africa um in june with some clients and, and doing some filming maybe waterfowl in peru and cool some cool stuff lined up in that regard but like the whole idea with the youtube um series that's coming up and and the podcast the podcast is going to be with uh roby birch who's uh the owner of birch barrel new grill product that's pretty dang cool um hasn't been around but like a year he actually y'all should have him on 
he actually came up with this idea while he was in college fairly oh, recently obviously yeah it would be great and so um he, he comes from a really cool family of entrepreneurs and um he's uh, been able to accomplish some really cool stuff so we're gonna start a podcast together kind of for birch barrel um but the idea is like anybody and everybody all walks of life we want to um talk about real life stuff maybe it relates to hunting fishing grilling who knows we'll we'll see what happens and so We've got that coming up, um, starting to line some really cool individuals up to talk to. Uh, the YouTube series is going to be a little bit different. Like, I, we'll see how it evolves. I, I'm a big believer in let things organically, um, you know, kind of take off and evolve. Uh, but I love my family. I love my kids. I love spending time with them more than I do going hunting. And I really love it when, when I get to take them out and go hunting and, and explore and do the things that we do as a family. So the idea of the YouTube series is, It'll be kind of a mix of things. Um, I'm building out uh, my 2016 Tundra and turning it more into an Overland rig. And then we've got two other vehicles that will probably start to do that as well with the idea of how do we travel around the country doing awesome family outdoor adventure. That's awesome. And so we'll be documenting that. Some of the, the stuff out there um, will be me going to some far-flung country, hunting some weird animal somewhere sometimes. Um, and we'll just see how it rolls out. Like one of the things I really want to do is I've got some friends that I, I grew up with that are maybe um, indifferent to hunting or, or they're kind of on the fence. Um, they would like to learn to see if they like it. I think it'd be cool to take them out and, and teach them what it is and, and show it in a positive light and go through the whole process and, and document that. So we'll, we'll see where all that stuff goes. Um, but that's kind of the tentative plan. And, uh, you know, Whitetail Properties has, has been a brand that I um, have worked with for, for a couple of years now. And, there's, there's a lot of good opportunity in real estate. Um, and being able to, to do that as, as one of my hustles is kind of the goal. And I've got a good report with those guys and really, really love, I mean, I've been watching that company since probably when I was in high school, they've been around for a while now. And so is it time consuming the real estate factor? you, You know, you can make it be as much or as little as you want. I know some guys that, I mean, they're they're at it 10 12 hours a day make a ton of money do great at it um i know other people that are kind of like me they've got more diversified income um and they do a few different things um and so for me obviously that's that's a good fit like i can do as much or as little as i want really and um that's kind of my plan moving forward unless i mean quite honestly like if i'm just crushing there and that becomes a main source of income. That becomes a main source of income, yeah, but flexible. it still allows you the flexibility to do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then uh, off of that, um, the, the oh, podcast. I think something else cool. Oh, go ahead. Something else cool. Sorry. No, I got, I got to plug this man. Cause go if it. you're, if you're watching or listening in, pay, pay attention over the next few months, especially this summer. Um, I'm teaming up with a bunch of outfitters that I've hunted with all over the country and all over the world and, and a lot of the brand um, sponsors that I work with. And we're going to be giving away some pretty cool stuff. Like it's going to be hunt giveaways. Come hunt with me. Oh, I um, it's going to be pretty legit. You're asking about what hunt you should give away. I saw that. I already have some lined up, but I just wanted, I was, I was testing the audience just to kind of see, well, what are people interested in? Uh-huh. And so um, this, is, this is a cool opportunity to maybe get a free gun and some free gear and go to Africa or go to you Spain or, go hunt ducks in Alaska or whatever. And yeah, so yeah. I'm pretty stoked on that. That'll be a lot of fun. That's more just like a fun thing. Like mm-hmm. why the heck not? Should be, yeah, should right. be a good time. Yeah. You can do it. Why not? Yeah, totally. So you guys should make sure you join in on that. Yeah, no, we're, we're going to. Yeah. <laughs> we're always looking for free, man. Always looking for free. Dude, me too. <laughs> yeah. Anyone that's smart really is. Absolutely. So kind of like, let, let's talk about the hunting thing for just a second. Do you have a place, to, your favorite place to go? Ah, gosh, I get that question a lot. Um, it depends on how I think about the question. For me, um, Northeast Texas is where I grew up and that's where I fell in love with hunting. I think you always got to remember where you came from. And so my family has owned um, a dairy farm there. Um, it's no longer an operating dairy farm, um, but they've owned it for well over a hundred years now. And so my family settled that area. And on a part of that property, there is a, some amazing waterfowl hunting grounds. And that's where I fell in love with chasing ducks. 
Um, just absolutely became consumed with it when I was 13. Um, started deer hunting out there when I was like five or six or whatever it was. And I fell in love with hunting and I never dreamed I'd hunt anywhere else. Um, but I remember going to places like Texas trophy hunter convention and Dallas safari club to my dad, I'd beg him, please take me to those. I want, and I'd just walk up and down every aisle and look at all the cool hunts and be like, man, how cool would that be? Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I was like, I'll never be able to go do it. it this is, you gotta be rich. Um, which I'm not, but that was my thought is that's the only way you could do it. Right. And I'll just look at it and dream about it. And I gravitated more to waterfowl initially because I was like, well, this stuff's more affordable. And I love it. It's it freaking revs my engine, man. And, uh, and it's easier to go out and do on your own. And so, um, that's kind of how all that started for me. You get to your question, like, because of all that hunting on my old family property for mallards and wood ducks will always be a strong favorite. Well, um, yeah. I mean, that connection. it is most people want to hear about the cool stuff and and I've got some cool ones that I love. I, mean, I, think, I think that's really cool, though. I mean, mallards yeah. and wood ducks on the farm. Yeah, I mean, but if, if I didn't have that typical answer um, from a waterfowl side, probably I, I, like, I always gravitate to the crazy. And so the craziest waterfowl adventure I've ever been on was hunting king eiders um, in the Bering Sea. And, you know, oh, wow. you're on this little island that's 400 square miles and it's basically a rock with no vegetation and it's somewhere in the middle between Russia and the U S and wow. you know, it's, it's incredibly hard to get to because of weather. It's the same place where they film deadliest catch. The waters are really dangerous. Like you go in, it's game over. And to be out there in a 14 foot um, boat, that's basically a rubber boat with a metal bottom, like dude, like anything goes wrong and it's, you're done. And so we're in like 10 to 20 foot, swales and like trying to just shoot one bird and and just to go through that adventure and see all that was was amazing um it's not it's not a volume hunt a lot of people are all about you know how many birds can i put on the strap let's make a pile and yeah i mean i've been through that phase in life but that one was purely like adventure like you can only shoot four king eiders four harleys um as a non-resident to alaska and we were literally going to do that Mm -hmm. and spend all that time and effort in a dangerous area to do that. And it was awesome. Did you get it done? Um, oh yeah. We had, we had one day out of six days, there was one day we were actually able to get the boat out of the Harbor because the winds and the waves finally died down enough where it wasn't too dangerous. I mean, so much. Dude. And, and when we were coming back, I remember I was hunting with a buddy, Matt McCormick, who still does some photography work for Sitka. We're coming back and I had started to get seasick and I never do. And I actually got, it was so rough out there. I got seasick. And I remember I was sitting in the front of the boat looking back and, and the captain's on the motor and, um, <laughs> and, and Matt's kind of looking forward and I'm looking back or maybe it was the other way around. Yeah. That was the other way around. I had my back to, <laughs> to the waves and he was looking at the waves and where they're breaking. And like, we kind of had to time it just right in between sets to where, all right, if this, if this wave catches up and breaks over to the boat, we're screwed. We're not making it back. And so we're trying to gun it and, and make it back into the Harbor before this wave breaks over the top of us. And I just remember looking at his eyes as he was watching these waves behind us. And like, he is freaked out. Right. And right, he, right. And I, I'm looking at his face. I'm like, this is it. We're screwed. I'm too sick to turn, turn around and look. And I'm not going to, cause I don't want to like, we're in here tight, like four guys in a small little boat. Yeah. And, um, and, and the captain never looked back either. He was just like, focused like full throttle all out like if i break concentration like he knew if he was to break his concentration like it it could be the death of all of us sort of a deal so it was crazy it was awesome (laughs) yeah so that was a cool one yeah like there's been some other crazy stuff too like was it two years ago i was in uh kyrgyzstan on the border of china which like, who the hell does that? Right. Um, uh, but I was with clients hunting mid-Asian Ibex and, and Hugh Margali. And it was to get there. It's like 20 hours of flying on a plane. And then we get in a truck and we drive for eight hours, get in a different truck, drive for like seven more hours. And the last five, six hours of that drive was dirt road. And then the road just disappeared. We're just like, I don't know where. And we're going through like this military base that was super sketchy. And I'm like, or are we getting out of here? What's going on? Right. Like yeah. Three days into the hunt, we had one translator between four guys and we split up 
And so I jump on a horse with these three guys that don't speak. I mean, not one word. They couldn't tell you hello and bye. Mm. Not one word of English. And so we jump on horses and off we go. And for like two days, it's just like sign language trying to figure out what's going on. I'm sleeping in a two-man tent with four guys total that can't speak English. And I'm like, this bro is shoulder to shoulder with me. And we can't these talk. freaking Kyrgyzstani guys, we can't talk. Well, I'm in border China, like 13,000 feet. What the hell am I doing? Like, right. this is insane. <laughs> and, and that was an incredible experience. Um, just the effort in getting there and to be in the most incredible place I've ever been in my life. It was gorgeous. Really? Was it cool? Yeah. I mean, some of my favorite photos are from that trip. Just the, the way the mountains and the, and the water is there. It's unreal. And it's you're at 13. I mean, it's hard to breathe. Like when we had to acclimate for the first two days, 13,000. Uh, I mean, that's way that's high. Yeah. And that was base camp. And yeah. then we went up higher on the horses after we acclimated the first two days. Um, it was crazy. It was awesome. So that's a cool one too. I don't know. I could go on and on. Like Africa's got its own craziness and hunting dangerous game there. When you got a lion charging your Cape Buffalo, like you figure out if you're going to shit your pants or if you're going to you know, come through water buffalo are one of the most dangerous it's animals to hunt. they are absolutely it's it's a rush I've, I've been fortunate to hunt too and they both ended it you know within that 20 yard mark and it's just it's not a physically demanding hunt it's just a it it heightens your senses to other levels that other hunting opportunities don't and that's freaking cool so it's it's a big wide world out there. There's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, like, don't think you can't go do it. Just figure out how to make it happen. Yeah. Right, right. No, that's a good advice. I appreciate that. Appreciate that for sure. Sorry, the I'm bad about going on tangents. The, oh, but those would be my favorite hunts if I could go do again. Like all, everything I just said, like I would constantly go back and do those things. Oh, that was yeah. great. No, yeah. that was perfect. That was perfect. I mean, that, that about gets to, to, to our list of things that we were kind of wanting to hit and talk to you about. Um, cool. Actually, you know what? You want to go into a little bit of photography? What? Yeah, best I can. I, I can't speak to it great technically. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Just like, you know, did you just uh, take photos for Sitka or did you for like? Yeah, so some here here's my experience with photography. So my wife started doing photography when we were in college, actually before we had our first daughter. And she was doing a lot of wedding photography at the time, like family photos. And I just kind of the creative bug in me. Um, I would pick up her camera and play around some things, start taking it on hunts. Um, and so I've, I've done some some paid gigs for, for different things. But like that definitely wasn't a big part of my job at SICK at all. Um, I, I did a lot of photography for Drake when I was there, um, you know, for different brands that I work with. Uh, definitely some of the, you know, the way those contracts are structured, I I have uh, deliverables. I need to get to them. So um, I send them photos on a monthly basis based on those contract requirements. Um, yeah, I've been fortunate to do some stuff for Wildfowl, um, but I've never really looked at the photography thing for me as as one of my revenue streams. I think it's uh, it's something I I really enjoy and love. Um, I think that what's interesting in the last five years, like I feel like early on, like I was pretty competitive, but dude, there's so many more. <laughs> so many more photographers out there are way better than I am. And, and they think they've done a great job in making a career for themselves and what they do. And it's just, it's cool to see that, um, you know, and, and how people have, have taken that particular, um, skill set and evolved it beyond, I think what I probably could do, but it's a highly, highly competitive thing right now in the outdoor space. So competitive. I mean, there's like, you have to be stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, besides having the extreme talent to compete at this point, you have to have a tremendous amount of luck and you want to talk about networking. Like you better know somebody because I kid you not, even to this day, I have photographers reaching out to me on a daily basis, trying to figure out how to get a gig with a brand. And I'm just like, man, we can only pay so many people. Like, you know, like you have to be truly amazing mm-hmm. and, and on brand for us with your style. So right. well, that's another that one's thing. tough. Yeah. So, so are you taking the pictures in that are, that's on your Instagram or do you have a team that does that for you? No. Or? Yeah. No. Most of, most of what you see on Instagram is my photos or my wife. Yeah, those are pretty so, good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, I, it, those are usually, I'd say 95% or better of those photos are, are my wife, Marissa and I. Okay. Um, now moving forward, um, I will be working more with, with, uh, 
creative agency on on some of these other projects just be, it's it's hard i mean like if you've ever gone out and it's like okay gun or camera or bow and camera what am i gonna do like you gotta choose one or the other you're gonna kill something or are you gonna take pictures it's hard to do both yeah. and so with what we've got going on moving forward um we've got a creative agency that's gonna help us out but i'll still take my own stuff too yeah it's hard it's hard to get away from it though like we've just started filming yeah taking pictures it's like you can't go without a camera i feel like you know yeah i think it's a it's another cool challenge to have while you're out in the woods you know i agree yeah yeah and you can get some really incredible stuff you know totally yeah that's about it what 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 camera equipment are you guys using we just got a canon 70d yep nice so we bought that used um it's just like it was a good starter for us good good stuff yeah film and take pictures that's what i that's so we we were shooting icon and then when we moved to Canon, we actually picked up a 70D and then we ended up with a uh, 5D Mark III and then the 5D Mark IV. Yeah, those and are then cool. they're awesome. But we just picked up the R5 mirrorless for Canon. Uh, stupid. It's different? stupid. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. I, I, I go to the, I, I, I look at them all the time online. It's like, we'll probably upgrade sooner or later. But right. Money, for right it's now, financially, money. like we're just yeah. gonna hold on yeah. for sure. I totally get it. I've been there. Trust me. <laughs> the fundamentals too, you know. Sure. I would say this, man. I feel like a lot of people get discouraged. Like, don't get discouraged. Like, sure, there's a lot of people out there doing it, but like, man, stay at it. Like, push yourself on all this stuff. Like, no, go yeah, for no it. Get away from it, you know. Yeah. No, keep at it, dude. Yep. Yeah, we're just trying to. I don't know. We like to try our hands at a lot of different things, you know, and you should, cause here, sorry. I, cause I know you got to sign off cause we're probably over time, but I, I got to say this, oh, like, you just don't want to waste your time. Yeah. Go for no, it. no, not at all. Um, I'm having fun. So here, here's one thing that I think a lot of people do. They, they, they started to limit themselves. This might be one of the more important things I say in this whole time frame, but like, this has been pretty apparent in the last few years. I think people are starting to finally grow out of it, but it's like, they'll go into the industry and be like, okay, I want to crush at just photography. Like I'm going to be a photographer and this is this one little thing I'm going to do. And then you've got other guys who are like, okay, well, I want to write articles in print, which I don't know why you want to do that right now. Cause it's dying. It's just reality. Yep. Um, and so they focus on just doing that from a content perspective or, or they choose one of these multiple elements and, and they try to become a perfectionist within just that skill set. I think because of the way the industry and, and, and everything, not just our industry, but just business in general is evolving, especially in marketing, you kind of have to be a jack of all trades, like become I, somewhat familiar, if not extremely good at several things mm-hmm. within marketing. And it will serve you so much better, even if you're not using it. So like, I don't, I rarely, I don't consider myself like a professional photographer for these brands. It's something that I can do. Um, I can't do it as well as some of the other guys out there. And I know that, but because I understand it enough, it makes me a better marketer and other aspects of what I I do. I completely agree. If you can, if you can just, and you can hold your own. I mean, that says a lot. People really gravitate to someone that can do a lot of things pretty well. Yes, absolutely. And I, and you were asking about TikTok, like, don't be good just at one. Like if you've got the time, try it. I mean, try to try to put content out in several different platforms because yeah. one's going to hit and you've got different demographics that are, are, you know, just on Instagram or, or spend the majority of their time there or just Facebook and, and TikTok, et cetera, like cast the net wide, have a larger audience mm-hmm. than just that one thing. That's so be good at multiple different content creation abilities across multiple platforms and that's how you're going to, to generate more success in whatever you do, whether it's as an individual or for a brand or with whatever company you start, it'll just make you that much better at what you do in life. Hmm. Yeah, it was good. It takes fun. a lot of time, but it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, well, certainly. Yeah. It's all work. You know, we were talking about that yeah. earlier. Everything's work. Yeah. Totally. Yep. Anyways, though, Ryan, yeah, we, I we think can, that about can, does it. So. No worries. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Man, seriously. Like, that was a great conversation. I appreciate you getting back to me, man. I just like sent that <laughs> sent that DM. I'm like, I'm just throwing this bomb at this guy. Let's see. <laughs> no, it's awesome, man. I, I like doing this stuff. Like the way I see it, guys, like I had people and I've had this conversation with other guys. Kyle Jones is a, is a, is a good example. Like I had people that were pretty discouraging um, when I was trying to like, I was that, you know, 
21, 22 year old kid, right. When I got off my mission, trying a super ambitious, wanted to like do all these amazing things and, and knew I couldn't do it if I didn't have some good mentors um, and some people to bounce ideas off and learn from. Mm-hmm. And, and some people were, you know, that I thought were like, uh, man, I really, this guy I look up to, like, he's done so well, like, it's really cool they wouldn't give you the time of day and you walk away feeling defeated. Like, man, he's not who I thought he was. That sucks. It's funny you say that too. Cause like the, and the, those are the same people that sit there and say like, you know, we got to get more people involved in this industry and we got exactly. <laughs> yeah. We've had our fair share of that. You know, oh, plenty of it. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but like, but you know, there's some, there was that handful of individuals that did give me the time of day. And I just feel like I got to pay it forward. Like, I, I want to see the hunting community get back to a healthier place. Cause I think it's in an unhealthy place. Yeah, um, yeah, we, we should help each other like this jealousy, greedy crap and trying to outdo each other. Screw that. I, I don't know how we got to this point and that's a whole nother conversation, but yeah. let's just help each other. Yeah. Yeah. It, it needs to be a more inviting space. You're not going to get new people Absolutely. if it's like this, you know, exactly. Exactly. I had a lot of people share a lot of good things with me 10 years ago and, happy to try and do the same for anybody at this point well you certainly helped us out yeah, tonight we appreciate so. it man cool well my pleasure thanks guys thanks for the opportunity yeah we'll stay in touch hopefully man yeah I mean, yeah reach out anytime yeah, for sure we'll do, we will man. we'll be following along and and definitely we might give you a ring if we ever need advice or anything so we'll we appreciate I'm, I'm always available and if i'm not it's because i'm somewhere without reception so <laughs> all right. that's all right we respect that a ton yeah so. okay. cool all right guys thanks man. appreciate Thank you, you. Thank you. Yeah.